Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I'm Todd Burlidge. I will be your host along with Mason Plummer, live from Ball State University. You can find me at Todd Burlidge on Twitter. You can find Mason at Mason Plummer, numeral six, at Mason Plummer six. Mason is a contributing writer for SlapTheSign.com. You can find his fine work there. The show, as always, is brought to you by Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Homes in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mason, what's going on, brother? Not a lot. Getting back into the swing of things at school. Yeah. How are you doing, Todd? Not too bad. Yeah, it probably took you a little bit of recovery time after the winter break there, I'm sure. Well, we got a lot to get to. Obviously, the big news of the week was Tom Reese being promoted from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. Not a huge surprise there. It drew some mixed reviews online, uh, message boards and whatnot. Some people weren't in love with the with the move. Other people thought it was the logical and smart move. So Mason and I will break that down, debate that a little bit. The early enrollees, the 10 early enrollees are all on campus as of Tuesday of this past week. We're going to take a little bit of a look at those guys and what can be expected from them. Just a kind of a little bit of a history lesson on the early enrollees as well. Uh, Notre Dame Hoops picked up a big win. We'll kind of fly through some Hoops news, a little hockey news. But first, as we start every show, let's do some blue gold nuggets. Mason, I'll start here. Somewhat surprising to me, a two-loss Notre Dame team came in. We actually talked about it, I think it was last week. Where will Notre Dame fall in that final AP poll? Well, it was number 12. I thought it would be a top 10 outfit. It was not. It came in as number 12. Four other 11 and eleven and two teams were ranked ahead of the Irish. Number 6, Florida. Number 8, Alabama. Number 9, Penn State. And number 10, Minnesota. Interesting to me, number 11, Wisconsin. One spot ahead of Notre Dame was a four-loss team. So I was a little bit surprised to see that. Although if you got beat by Ohio State twice, Maybe that's somewhat understandable. But still, Mason, when you look at Notre Dame's final five games, they won by 31, 32, 33, 21, and 24. And after the Michigan loss, even with all those solid wins, ending the season on one of the longest winning streaks in program history, you have to go back all the way back to 92 since you saw a Notre Dame team win six straight to finish the season. They only picked up two spots. They started uh, 14 after the Michigan loss, and despite winning six in a row, they moved up only to number 12. What you got, Mason? News that broke January 10th officially, Sean Crawford returning to Notre Dame for a sixth season. You know, sometimes you hear about a guy returning for a fifth season, but uh, Sean Crawford, he's been injured throughout his Notre Dame career, and now he's in a, he's returning for a sixth season. It was, he, You know, there's never really a doubt that he was coming back, but it was whether the NCAA would grant him the waiver to come back. And they did grant it, so it is official. Sean Crawford will be back next season for Notre Dame. Good news there with a shortage at cornerback. Phil Jakobic, he found his landing spot. Didn't take him too long. Uh, the backup quarterback to Ian Book last year. Obviously, we announced his transfer last show. He's landed at Boston College. Speaking of waivers, Mason, if he can get his waiver, he will have three years of eligibility. I don't think it's any kind of clear-cut case for him to get said waiver. So if that's the case, he'll have to sit out next year. And then he'll have two years of eligibility. That will be 21 and 22. If indeed he lasts through 22 there at Boston College, he will actually come to Notre Dame and play the Irish that particular year. BC has a new coach, uh, Jeff Halfley, and a new quarterbacks coach, Frank Signetti. Comes from an, he comes with an NFL background, LA Rams, New York Giants, and Green Bay Packers. What else you got, Mason? Big news for Notre Dame's opponents they face next year, the two biggest games of the season by far. 
Clemson coming to South Bend and then Wisconsin at Lambeau Field and arguably the two best players on either team, the wide receiver T. Higgins of Clemson announced he's leaving for the NFL draft and running back Jonathan Taylor, who was a Heisman finalist and a longtime frontrunner for the Heisman, he's leaving for the NFL draft as well. So two less guys and everybody has to worry about next season as they, uh, they have a tough schedule next season with those two big-time teams. Yep, for sure. That's the highlight of your schedule, and those are your blue-gold nuggets. That's a good one, Mason. And indeed, uh, when you're looking at Ian Book, you can't measure him next year. Like you, This year was kind of a similar situation. You had the two marquee games in Georgia and Michigan, and he didn't play well in either of those, but he lit up the lesser opponents. I think the schedule sets up very similarly next year. Let's get to Tom Reese here, Mason. A little background here to start. Obviously quarterbacked under Brian Kelly from 2010 to 2013. Did a nice job. It's funny when you scan the record books here at Notre Dame. He's at or near the top of a lot of categories, and you would have just never guessed that And when you kind of reflect back on his career. Um, Upon graduation, he took a job as a grad assistant at Northwestern, spent a year there, and then he spent a year as an offensive assistant with the San Diego Chargers. The last three seasons, obviously, he's been a quarterback's coach at Notre Dame. We're predominantly working with Ian Book. Uh, Book 2018 set a program record with a 68.2 percentage of his passes uh, completed. And then this year he became the first Irish quarterback ever to throw for 3,000 and rush for more than 500. So I, I understand Brian Kelly wanting to make this hire. keeps the continuity. I know the players really wanted Reese to be to get this promotion, and he did. One of the cons is he's only 27 years old and has very little quarter, uh, very little coaching experience at this point. You know, if you want to call it five years, really it's three years as an actual assistant, and then the other two at Northwestern and the San Diego Chargers. That was more just kind of grunt work. Mason, when you heard the news, what was your initial reaction? It seemed like it was going to be a 50-50, whether it was going to be Moorhead or Tom Rees, Tommy Rees, as he prefers to be called now. That <laughs> went back and forth, but um, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's uh, it seems like it's a big risk risk for Brian Kelly, but he knows what he has in Tommy Reese, and you can't imagine anybody knows him better than Brian Kelly. He has he puts the full trust in him, and rather than his entire system having to adjust mm-hmm. to Joe Moorhead, everything pretty much stays the same with just promotions for Tommy Reese and then Lance Taylor as well, which I think is huge. Keeping Lance Taylor on the Notre Dame staff is huge, and uh, the two of them hitting the recruiting trail together is massive. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful stuff. And, yeah, you mentioned Lance Taylor. He will be the running game coordinator. kind of a new fad around college football. You have the passing game coordinator or the offensive coordinator and then a running game or a pass game coordinator to kind of complement him. And you're right, and I think that's part of what Brian Kelly liked about the Tom Reese hire and keeping Lance Taylor around. They worked very well together at the Camping World Bowl, and I think that really sort of shifted Brian Kelly's opinion. You know, when you're talking about Tom Reese, he's so much different than what Chuck Long was. You know, I think Long really isolated the players where Tom Reese, he's a guy that really unifies them. So they very much are polar opposites. I suppose if you really want to talk pros and cons, one could fall under the, one of each could fall under the same umbrella, system continuity. You know, when you look at it, Notre Dame's going to return its entire offensive line, a lot of great skill positions. Um, and a 23-game starting quarterback who is 20-3 in his career. So there's a lot for Reese to work with. But some people say because there is so much talent in place, then maybe a more experienced coach was the way to go. Who was the other one? So it was Moorhead and uh, Todd Monken, the Browns guy. Right. Monken's been actually coaching professionally, which is a full-time assistant coach, 
longer than Tom Reese has even been alive. So when you're talking about a guy that could walk in and really take the reins and improve this offense, because, you know, even though Notre Dame set a record, 36.8 points, that's the Brian Kelly era record, they still are not scoring against the elite team. So that familiarity and having a such a talented offensive stable to work with, I think that's why you're able to take a chance on a younger coach. I don't necessarily think you want to bring in somebody that's going to shake all that up. Yeah, right. I tend to agree. Uh, I really like the retire the more I thought about it. Initially, I wasn't too fond of it, but the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. So I, I'm for it as long as it works out. Yeah, exactly right. As long as it works out, all of Notre Dame Nation will be for it. I, I, I don't mind the promotion thing either. It's really worked out uh, with Clark Lee on the defensive side of the ball. I tried to, I was working on a story for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com actually, and I was kind of wanting to compare the two, compare Lee and Reese, but as I started to dive in, you really can't do it because, again, it goes to experience. Even though Clark Lee had never been a defensive coordinator, this is his first crack at that here at Notre Dame, and obviously he's doing a fine job. He still had 11 years coaching experience compared to Tom Reese's three, so really there's a big difference there. And I think that's going to be the the tall task for Tom Reese. But, you know, if you've been around football, and Tom Reese obviously has starting quarterback here off and on for four seasons, comes from a football family. His father, Bill Reese, has been a professional and a college scout, director of scouting uh, all his his professional life. That's what he does. To me, Mason, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it, is it that huge, uh, that massive of a, of a challenge to become offensive coordinator from quarterbacks coach like a lot of people are making it out to be where I'm reading? I think it's a lot more responsibility, but I don't think it's anything he can't handle. It's widely reported from players and you know former coaches, anybody that's been around Reeves in the past, that he was largely the smartest guy on the offense. Right. And he was, you know, you don't see a lot of college quarterbacks calling audibles at the line, but Reeves is known for that. He knew defenses inside and out. He's a film junkie. Um, he he has a motivation, he has a confidence, and I think he has everything it takes to be an offensive coordinator. Ideally, he steps into this role like maybe three or four years in the future with a little bit more experience, but this is where we're at now, and uh, you just got to hope he does the best. Again, you know, the, the 36.8 points, that was terrific, and they lit a couple teams up, a couple patsies up. They beat Bowling Green and New Mexico by 52 points. That's all well and good, but... During the Brian Kelly era, Notre Dame has only averaged 24 points a game against ranked teams, and that's not cut. When, you, when you're when you looking at some of these Clemsons and, and your LSUs and your Ohio States, those teams are hanging 40-something on anybody they play, and that's where Notre Dame needs to get to. They, they only averaged 20 points a game against teams that ended up ranked in the top 15 of the final poll, and they've averaged 11.3 points a game in the three games against really good opponents with Reese and Ian Book together. That's where they're going to have to find the improvement. We already hit on it a little bit. You know, the Wake Forest and the Central Michigan, who cares? You're going to score 40-something, 50-something against those guys. What are you going to do in that Clemson and Wisconsin game? And I think that's where the value of both Ian Book and now Tom Reese will be measured. Yeah, totally. I agree. And um, it's going to come down to the big game, just as it has in Brian Kelly's tenure, I mean, other yeah. than with the, the Oklahoma game uh, years ago. Um, you know, you need that signature win, and getting it done against these smaller teams that you're supposed to beat isn't good enough anymore. And that's a lot of pressure that's going to fall on Tom Brady's shoulders, but I think, he's, I think he's ready for it. Yeah, I do too. Okay, Mason, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. One more thing on this. Could this be, if this works out, 
Could Tom Reese actually be being groomed to be the to replace Brian Kelly as the next head coach? Brian Kelly's not going to be here forever. So we know that Swarbrick and Kelly are kind of working towards an extension. You got to imagine that's a two or three year extension, right? That puts him at like twenty twenty three. So if Reese was to stay for the next two to three seasons, that that puts him at what thirty? He'd be a very young head coach. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily for that. If he wants to stay as an offensive coordinator long term. I'd be for that, and, you know, he loves Notre Dame, but if a bigger opportunity presents itself, he's, he's shown the willingness to move to move somewhere else. Uh, yeah. He interviewed at Northwestern, interviewed at Oregon. I don't know if necessarily he was ever seriously considered at Oregon, but he has shown that he will, he will go other places. So I think Clark Lee is being groomed to be the next head coach, if anybody, but uh, I guess time will tell. I personally don't think Clark Lee is going to be here next. Uh, he'll be here this season, 2020. I don't think he'll be around. Uh, somebody's going to come and snag him up, in my opinion. Right, let's move on to these early enrollees. Tenham came to town this week. They're all settled in there. They'll all be part of spring football, obviously. A couple of them are grad transfers. Um, the other eight, then, are uh, are obviously your incoming freshmen. The grad transfers are Northwestern, uh, Northwestern former Northwestern wide receiver Ben Skowernick and former Ohio State defensive back Isaiah Pryor. They sort of know the routine a little bit there. The other eight cornerbacks, Caleb Olford and Ramon Henderson, and I'm going to break these down a little bit more individually here in a second with Mason. Uh, defensive ends, Alex Ehrensberger. He's the German kid, obviously. And uh, defensive end, Jordan Botello, the Hawaiian kid there. So some long-distance early enrollees there. Defensive tackle, Riley Mills. A couple wide receivers in Jay Brunel and Xavier Watts. And I think it's Mason's favorite player in this class, quarterback Drew Pine. This has been a relatively, at least for Notre Dame, a relatively new endeavor. The university was very reluctant to allow early enrollees. They were way behind the curve in this one. Charlie Weiss finally talked them into it in 2006. So there's been 72 early enrollees moved through 15 cycles. It's really picking up steam now because of those 72, 27 have come through in the last three years. So Brian Kelly has really picked up the pace on this thing. It's sort of funny because I guess there were a lot more players in this class that that wanted to come in early, but it takes a special kid, is what Brian Polian was saying, to do it. Not everybody can do it, so they had to make sure they had the right candidates in here to do it. Um, let's go down this list a little bit. I talked about Skowernick, uh, the 6'4", 215 grad transfer. He caught 90 passes when he was at Northwestern in two seasons for 1,200 yards. He had eight touchdowns. Pretty good numbers there. An, an ankle injury kind of derailed him last season. Mason, this is a good get considering they lose both Fink and Claypool. I think he's going to plug and play. Yeah, I have an article coming out discussing actually all the wide receivers tomorrow. Um, just the wide receivers as a whole, the slot, the boundary, and the field wide receivers coming into next season. And I have a it's a long feature on Skronik. He's uh he adds a lot of size that Notre Dame's losing now with Komet and Claypool sure. both leaving. Chris Fink wasn't the biggest guy, but he played like it. So this gives you plenty of opportunity to throw scronic jump balls. That's what he's really good at. He has he's sneaky, athletic, and he's a great route runner. So he's a guy that wanted to move on from Northwestern. He was done there, wanted to go on to a bigger program, and uh, Notre Dame's the perfect place for him, I think. Yeah, Isaiah Pryor mentioned him. He's going to come in and play right away, too. He's a hard worker, a lot of experience at Ohio State, and a couple years of eligibility. Let's move on to some of these freshmen here. We'll start with another wide receiver. May as well start right there. We'll start with a couple of them, actually. Uh, Xavier Watts, I know you were high on this kid when we were talking about recruiting. 
which what's interesting is he, they don't really know what exactly he's going to be. Will he stay at wide receiver? Will he move over to that boundary corner position where Notre Dame is very thin? He's a great athlete. I guess it goes to speak to that. So I, do you see him staying at wide receiver? Do you think they'll shuffle him around? I think there's a great chance he stays at wide receiver. When you get a guy that talented with the ball in his hands, it's hard to move him over or lose that talent. However, if they see in the spring that they're even worse on the boundary corner than they thought they were, it could easily be moved. But Watts is definitely a guy that I see playing in year one this season. He's just so talented and still so underrated that it's going to take a lot of fans by surprise. Yeah, good stuff there for sure. And like I said, you've been really high on this kid ever since really uh, they signed him up. Another wide receiver, Jay Brunel, six foot two, 200 pounds, out of Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, St. John's High School there. Biggest challenge for Brunel is just he's going to have to learn the speed of this college game. I think he's a little bit of a project guy um, because that that talent level in Massachusetts that he played again was a little bit flawed, for lack of a better word. Separated his right shoulder six weeks ago. It did not require surgery. Drew Pine, another guy that you're really high on, 6'1", 195 pounds, with Jakovic moving on to Boston College. That job behind Ian Book is wide open, and I don't see why Drew Pine can't compete for it. Yeah, Pine, is, um, it's good he's early enrolling because he's going to need the time, especially with Djurkovic uh, moving on. You know, the staff's really high on Brendan Clark as well, but that number two position is wide open. But Clark's a hard worker, and he's going to push Pine to the limit for that number two spot. So uh, I'll be Pine's the number one guy I'm really excited to see in the spring game, uh, tie the, the blue and gold game. That should be awesome. He reminds you quite a bit of Ian Books. There's certainly, there's, they're similar in size, but you think even his playing style fits that mold. Yeah, and the quarterback room is all very similar right now. You could even say that, you know, Ian Book 2.0 or 3.0, not necessarily that they're better, but they're relatively the same skill set. With Jerkovic, you had the threat to run, but, you know, Clark and Pine can run if they have to, but they really don't. Ian Book has shown in spurts that he can. It's more of a scramble or kind of happy feet, as I've called it all year. But, uh, yeah, they have the relatively the same skill set, and they do kind of the same things well. So you're working with the same kind of guys. You just got to see who does what better and what works best for what Tom Reese wants to do offensively. All the way from Germany, defensive end Alexander Ehrensberger. He's going to be a project player. Mike Elston, the Irish defensive line coach, he rarely plays his guys his first year. So expect him to redshirt a guy that might break that mold, though, is another defensive end by the name of Jordan Botello uh, out of Honolulu St. Louis High School. He got himself in a little bit of hot water here after the season, had to miss a couple All-Star games. He got in some sort of altercation there, um, but apparently he's going to come to Notre Dame. He's already at Notre Dame with a clean slate. He could really develop into a nice drop defensive end, and you know he probably still needs to see 6'2", 230, so perhaps that might keep him off the field here as a freshman, but certainly I think they're expecting a lot out of this kid eventually, Mason. Yeah, he, he actually scarily reminds me of Aaron Lynch. Um, with plays with a lot of edge with him. Um, he plays angry, and you don't want to see that carry to off the field. You know, you saw with that altercation, and we know what happened with Aaron Lynch at Notre Dame. So um, he's got to keep his head in the books, keep his head uh, everywhere, and um, you know, just just be just be smart. And uh, Batella has all the potential in the world. I see him playing on Sundays in the future, but. Uh, yeah, just stay focused, and he's a guy I worry about a little bit. But if if uh, Kelly and company can keep him straight, then should be should be just fine. Yeah, he's a long way from home too, so maybe there's not as much trouble to get into here in South Bend. Another defensive lineman they haven't really pinned down a position for him yet because I think they want to cross train him at defensive end and defensive tackle. Riley Mills 
already a great big kid, 6'5", 275. Drawn a lot of comparisons to Jerry Tillery. Probably another guy that's not going to be on the field right away. Um, like I said, he, he's more about, obviously he comes with the size, but at the same time he's going to have to learn the techniques of all the positions. And I think that the Irish want to sort of sift through and see exactly what they have there. Here's a guy I know you've been high on, Mason, as well. Um, another one of those versatile athletes, perhaps the best athlete coming in in this class, cornerback Ramon Henderson, uh, six foot two, 180 pounds. You know, they, they list him as a cornerback here. He's another guy that could maybe even swap sides of the ball and become a wide receiver up the line. I think they're going to like him at cornerback, and I think they're going to like his size because when you're talking about what they have now, it's three guys that are under six foot tall. So he brings a size to the position. Do you think he could make any kind of immediate impact? I think he could, largely because the guys behind Sean Crawford right now at the boundary corner are Cam Hart and Isaiah Rutherford, two guys that, they're you know, they're decent talents, but I don't think they're necessarily that great, and I don't see a super high ceiling for them. While I do see that with Henderson, I see him challenging them for playing time. He's, he's bigger than both of them, and he's quicker. So, you know, that's, that's big when it comes to playing the cornerback position. I don't necessarily think he's going to challenge Sean Crawford for playing time but I do see him touching the field quite a bit this season, maybe even burning his red shirt if he impresses enough. Yeah, and we'll get to Caleb Oford here in a second. He's another guy that maybe could come in and play right away. But when you're talking about Henderson, you mentioned the speed, 10-6 and 100-meter dash. Man, that's flying. He has the long stride similar to Kyle Hamilton, which I don't and I don't necessarily think lends itself well to cornerback. I can see how it lends itself well to the safety position that Hamilton plays but I would worry about that a little bit at the cornerback position. Another one, Caleb Ofer brings pretty good size. He needs to beef up a little bit, but he's six foot one, a little bit lanky. And when we were talking about the size of the other guys, the other boundary corners, you have Tariq Bracey, 5'10", K.J. Wallace, 5'11", and Sean Crawford's only 5'9". Henderson and Oford provide a little bit of something there. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm not quite as high on Oford. I okay. think he's more of a project. I think maybe in a year or two, he's a guy that may start for you, depending on what happens with Tree Bracey. Uh, KJ Wallace is a guy I like a lot at the field corner. Um, let's see. Well, I really like Landon Barlson as well. So, Oprah, he's probably my third or fourth guy on these corners. He's a project piece, but uh, I th- he's a great athlete, and you never know what can happen once uh, Matt Bayless gets him on the weights. Yeah, for sure. And he does need beefed up a little bit. All right, Mason, That's we'll keep an eye on those guys once spring ball hits here. The one thing I like about these early enrollees, and then, like you said, when we get a chance and uh, we'll get into some of those practices and get a closer look once we get gone. And you know what? That'll be here before you know it. Man, that sneaks up on you big time. Let's move on. Have a couple minutes to touch on some hoops. The Irish got a really big win, a really important win at Georgia Tech this week, 78-74. It was the first time they were able to actually close a game in some time. It was the fifth time in six ACC games this year that Notre Dame had a chance to win within the closing minutes, and they were finally able to do it. The only other one they were able to pull off so far was the Syracuse. So they moved to 2-4 and four in the ACC. The ACC's a little bit mediocre uh, this year, so I still think they could make a run. If they would have dropped to 1-5 and five instead of 2-4 and four and lost another close game, I think that was that, and you could almost hear the relief in Mike Bray's voice after that game. Prentice Hub was fantastic. 20 of his career-high 25 points in the second half. T.J. Gibbs complimented Hub nicely. 14 of his 17 points came in the second half. Those two, Hub and Gibbs, combined to score 31 of Notre Dame's final 34 points of that game. Um, So, obviously, they closed it out. One thing I wanted to... Part of the reason I wanted to bring up hoops is because of this royal snub here. Um, With his 10 points and 13 rebounds Wednesday, John Mooney recorded his 11th straight double-double 
which tied a Notre Dame record set by Luke Herringote in 2008-2009. Uh, Mooney's the only player in the country averaging more than 10 rebounds a game. He's the nation's only player averaging 15-plus points and 13-plus rebounds. And guess what? He was kept off the list for the John Wooden Award National Player of the Year finalist. And there was 25 guys on that team, and John Mooney got kicked off the list. Could you, did you see that, Mason? How shocked were you? I did. I looked on it, and I was just totally expecting to see his name, and I didn't see it. And I think that's more of a testament to how bad the team's been this year. They tend to reward the, the good teams and put a lot of those guys on there. Not a lot of people expect Notre Dame to be a tournament team. So, I mean, I kind of get it, I guess, if, they, if they're going to use that sort of rationale. But I, I do think he's one of the one of the best players, no doubt. It's a 25-man list, so it was just a little bit surprising. Notre Dame, won't, they'll, they'll actually get a week off here. This is their bye week. They return to action home against Syracuse next Wednesday, 7 p.m. at Purcell Pavilion. Notre Dame already beat Syracuse at the Carrier Dome earlier this year. The women, Muffin Muffin McGraw broke into tears, literally, after a 90-56 home loss this week to NC State. Then, just more recently, her team went down to Duke against a really good Blue Devils team, had that game won, and ended up letting it slip away, 50-47, the fourth straight loss that would turn home Sunday to play Miami. And finally, hockey goaltender Cale Morris was named one of the finalists for the Hobie Baker Award. That's the nation's best player. You can vote for him. Actually, it's a fan vote that helps award the pass out this particular award. It's www.hobiebaker.com. The Irish lost two at home to Michigan last weekend. Now they have to go play a really good Ohio State team in Columbus this coming weekend. Guess what, Mason? That's 28 minutes on the dot, and that means we're out of time. Again, you can find Mason Plummer at MasonPlummer6 and at SlapTheSign.com. You can find me at Todd Burlidge. Thank you, Dio McComan Sons, for sponsoring our show, and thanks, Mason, for helping me out again this week. Yeah, no problem, Todd. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.